0: Today, what we see Proverbs do is lay out a powerful principle to help set your kids up for success. Now, let me tell you this. If you don't have kids, and you're not planning on having any kids, you can take this same principle that we're talking about today and apply it everywhere in your life. If you're an employer, if you're a manager, if you just want to influence a friend in your life, you take these principles. If you're a teacher, you just take these principles. If you're a manager, you just take these principles and move it into that area. You're going to have to do a little work today, though, and we're not going to make the parents do any work because they're, they're already tired. And so we're going to just, I'm going to talk to them, and you, if you don't have kids, you're just going to have to do some work and figure out how to apply it. So here's the principle. Hold, mold, release. Hold, mold, release. And you see this over and over and over again. So you imagine Your child, you're preparing them for kindergarten. You're getting them to this point. You spend five years molding them, and then you have to release them and let them go. Or you're preparing them to learn how to drive. You prepare them, prepare them, you're molding them, and then you have to let them go out on their own or college. You have to prepare them, mold them, and then let them go out on their own. Or they're getting married. You prepare them, you mold them, you let them go out on their own. So before any of this can happen, before you get to the release, you have to mold them. And before you mold them, you have to hold them. Now here's the thing about holding. When I say hold, this is a picture of you holding your child and them submitting to the hold. In other words, you know how sometimes if your kids are little enough, you hold them and they don't want you to hold them, and so they're just trying to squirm out? Like they're just doing the squirmy thing, and you, know, you could drop them because they're squirmy, so you've got to hold them even tighter? Well, what we're talking about with the hold is, is you're trying to actually get your kids to submit to the hold so that they will listen to what you have to tell them. The goal here is getting your kids to actually really listen to you. To submit, and here's what that means. To listen means they're submitting to your love and your wisdom. That's what listening is, submitting to your love and your wisdom. When you think of trust, when you think of authority, what you're thinking of is if you trust someone, you're submitting to their love and to their wisdom. And you're not going to listen to them if they're lacking in one of those areas. If you don't feel like they love you or if you don't feel like they're wise, you're not going to listen to them. You're going to dismiss them. And so that means if your kids aren't listening to you, you have got to convince them that you love them and that you're for them and not against them, but you've also got to convince them that you're smarter than them. And that's a very hard thing to do. You have to convince them that you want their good. You know how to get them what is good for them. And what you want for their good is what better than what they want for their good. So the first seven chapters of Proverbs starts like this. My son, listen to me. Except for chapter one. Chapter 1 does an introduction to Proverbs, and then it says it. And chapter 6 just doesn't say it. But seven chapters, besides one, says, My son, listen to me like a pleading, listen to what I'm going to tell you. Listen to my words for you. And then the beginning of chapter 10, after the the foundation, chapters 1 through 9 are laying the foundation of wisdom. Chapter 10 says this, A wise son makes his father glad. Now, what what does it mean to have wisdom? If you're wise, you say this, I'm not wise. So I have to go find wisdom from someone who's wiser than me. And that's the wisest thing you can say. So a father is glad when his son comes to him and says, please, I don't know what to do right now. Tell me what I'm supposed to do here. That is what we're trying to get our kids to do. That's what we're trying to get them to submit to our love and our wisdom. So before you mold them, you have to get them to listen to you. And the same rules, so if you don't have kids and you're like, man, am I going to get anything out of this? Yes, here's all you do. If you're a manager, you take this information and you apply it to managing people. If you are a friend of people and there's someone that you want to have an impact on their life, a friend, then you just take everything we're saying and you apply it there. And you just think about this. I mean, if you know a doctor cares for you, and you know they're smarter than you about how you should be taken care of medically, you're going to listen to them. You're going to submit to their wisdom. And you know that they care for you, so you're going to submit to them. So one of the biggest complaints parents have is what? My kids don't listen to me. My kids never listen to me. (laughs) It's not just hard work teaching them. You have to first actually get them to listen to you. So how do you do that? Well, okay, Watch this. Guess what you're learning how to do right now? You're learning how to listen to God. And, and not just are you learning how to listen to God, you're learning to submit to his love and wisdom. And so you know what that is? That's d- just-in-time learning. That's just-in-time training, meaning here's what's happening. You are learning how to love, you're learning how to submit to God's love, how to submit to God's wisdom, and as you learn, you can better teach your kids how to do the same thing with you. Because you're, you're taking a look at your life and you're saying, okay, where am I struggling to listen to God? Where am I struggling to submit to his love and his wisdom? Where am I struggling with this? And you say, gosh, right here, I'm struggling in this area or I'm not listening to God in this area. And you say, okay, well, this is what it feels like for me to turn back to God and to listen to him. And then you better know how you need to help your kids turn back to you to start listening to, to submit to your love and your wisdom. Also, look at what the wise wise teachers... And by the way, so Proverbs, the setting is this. It's typically two settings. It's typically a wise teacher teaching young men wisdom. It's like a school of wisdom. But the other setting is fathers teaching their sons. And that's what we have here. And so you look at what these wise fathers are doing. Here's what they're doing. They're pleading with their sons. They're saying, please... Just listen to what I'm telling you, please. And they're holding, saying, listen, don't miss the words that I'm telling you. And they're saying, here's what happens if you don't listen. Meaning, not, not here's your punishment, but meaning here's what happens in life. They're reason, the parents are reasoning with the child. I'm reasoning with them. I mean, it's hard to reason with the little ones, but still. We're reasoning with our their, with their kids Here's what happens if you don't listen to these wise words that I am sharing with you. And as you do this, over time, here's what happens. You start establishing trust because you're showing them and you're pointing to them how you are actually really are smarter than, not in a way that you're rubbing it in their face like, see, I told you so. You should have listened to me. But in a way that's like this. Very carefully, very lovingly, hinting, pointing to them, yeah, I I was right there, huh? In such a way that's that's not prideful, because here's what's gonna happen. If you're like, ah, yeah, you should've listened to me, what's gonna happen to them? Their pride's gonna kick up, and they're not gonna listen, because your pride's kicking up. Like, of course you should listen to me. So, other thing you look out for. If your child's pride is low in a moment, or if they're going through a difficulty, those are the times where they're going to listen to you the most, and you've got to take advantage of those times, and that's when you wrap them up. And those are your opportunities to start molding them. Essentially, though, what you're going for is to get your kids to see that you love them and you're smarter than them. And once you do that, once they're submitting to your authority, and when they're submitting to trusting you, you hold them like that, and then you start molding them. So this is mold. Now, the first thing you might ask, or many people ask is, should I actually be molding my kids? Like there's, there's two kinds of approaches here. So one, one parent says, you know what, my parents stuffed their belief down my throat. My parents forced me to go to church. I'm never gonna do that with my kids. The other, the other parent is doing actually that, stuffing, here, here's what I believe in, you better believe it too, and stuffing it down their throat. Now, if you take the first one, who says, I, I'm not going to mold my kids at all. I'm going to let them go out and discover who they are and how they should live. And that sounds very free, right? Except here's what you're doing. You're throwing them out in the highway. They're like, little five-year-old ready to cross the highway. They want to run across the highway really fast. And they see it. And they're like, oh yeah, go discover who you are. Go run out into the highway. It's going to be so fun for you. Of course. So the, the parent would do that. And, and here, here's what's happening. So this parent who says, I wouldn't mold them. Actually, they would. Because if this child came up and said, I have discovered who I want to be and what I want to do in life. I, I just want to murder people for fun. I'm going to go do it right now. The parent is not going to say, oh, you found your purpose in life. Go have fun. Go discover who you are even more. They're going to say, wait, 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 wait. That's not really what we meant. So they are... The, the question isn't, are you going to mold your kids, actually? The question is, how are you going to mold them? In what areas are you going to mold them? But here's what the wise parents do in Proverbs. They're training their kids. It's different. It's not forcing a belief. And it's not saying, oh, just go be free and discover how you want to live. Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So this is saying there is a way that you need to train up your child. There is a way that they should be going. And you should train them in that. This, but this is molding. So it isn't forcing a belief. And it's not saying, oh, just go be free and run out of the highway. It's training them in such a way that they are discovering truth and making it their own. You hear that? Training is helping them discover a truth and making it their own. So I've seen people grow up in the church, they go through the youth group, they're in high school, they're going to their middle school, they're in high school, they're going, they're going and going and going to church, and then they get to college. And then all of a sudden, Here's what happened while they were there. They were protected in a bubble. And they weren't trained for what was next in college. And all of a sudden, they enter into this environment where all of these people have all these different beliefs. And these beliefs are being thrown at them. And they're like, what is all of this? I've never heard of this before. And all of a sudden, they question everything. And they're, they're, they're saying, I'm, I'm leaving the church like how did this happen because they were not trained up in the way that they should go so here's the thing about training it's offering freedom but not too much just the right amount of freedom so if you're going to train somebody to hit a fastball you don't start off throwing them a 90 mile an hour fastball like stuffing it down their throats. come on just hit it just hit it you don't do that but you don't throw underhand to them forever. You start off underhand, and you start then you start overhand, and you go a little faster and a little faster and a little faster until they can actually hit a 90-mile-an-hour fastball. You're training them, so you find the balance of freedom, but training, but care. Um, there's, a, there's a Christian apologist. An apologist is a, like a defender of the faith. And he talks about he grew up in an area where a lot of his friends were having the, their parents' beliefs stuffed down their throats. So he grows up in this area, but his parents were different. He says, "My parents trained me up," and he said, "He and this." So this guy, uh, he's a professor at an elite university, teaching science and math. Just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And when he was in high school, this is how brilliant he was, his parents were giving him philosophy books to read. But they weren't just giving him Christian philosophers, they were giving him Christian philosophers and atheist philosophers and agnostic philosophers. And they were, what they were doing is saying, look at this, you need to be prepared for this. This is what's going to come at you when you go to the university. And so he graduates high school, he goes off to an elite university, and everyone around him, atheist and agnostic, And so, but his parents had taken him and trained him up and said, here's what people believe. Here are all the reasons why Christianity is true despite what this is saying. And prepared their son to go off into an environment where actually what he was able to do was defend his belief, but not just defend, he made relationships with people and was convincing people that Christianity is true who did not believe it was true when they got there. Now, I'm going to give you this warning, too, because remember, when we've been looking at Proverbs, we've been saying that Proverbs speaks in generalities. So it's saying, typically, this is the way the world works. So when we see this line, train up a child in the way they should go, and they will not depart from it, we know that's not always true. And Proverbs talks about how the generalities later, it starts saying, and here's, sometimes it doesn't work this way, but we have the book of Job and the book of Ecclesiastes, which tells us, okay, here's, here's the way the world works works sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes. But, so, so if you're like, oh man, my child has not listened to me and gone up in the way that I taught them to go, it might not be. You're doing, it just might be. This is the way the world works sometimes. But, Proverbs is saying, don't throw them in the highway too early, but don't keep them too far from it. Train them. So now the question is what is this tra- what is the way that we're training them into The way is this we're training them in the way of wisdom And that's why it's so important for you to become a student of wisdom, so that you can teach your kids wisdom also. Not just yourself, but them. And you train them in everything we've been talking about for the last 10 weeks. You train them. Here's how you deal with your words. Here's how you use your words. And here's, if you use your words like this, you're gonna be successful in life. And if you don't, you're gonna fail in a lot of ways in your life. You teach them how to use their money. You teach them that first you save, no, sorry, first you give, then you save, and then you spend. Okay, you're teaching them that early because it becomes incredibly hard to first give, then spend, and then, no. Thank you. What is it again? Ah, that was a trick to make sure you were listening. Good job, guys. Uh, so you're training them up. You're training them up in to prepare them for suffering that's gonna come. You're training them up to become one day a spouse. You're training them up for how they should treat girls, or you're training them up of what boys to watch out for. You're training them up to understand that their friends will determine the direction and quality of their life. But you're also training them to say, okay, if there's somebody who's in need, a friend for you to become friends with, to help them, to help mold them and help the direction and quality of their life, then you do that those are practical ways. You're giving your kids wisdom, but the other thing you're doing is you're giving them the deeper wisdom in life. Your main job as a parent is to point your child to God. It's your main job. So once you get them to submit to your love and your wisdom, you say, okay, now that you're submitting to my love and my wisdom, here's what you got to do. you got to go and submit to God's love and God's wisdom because God's love and God's wisdom is far greater than mine. Look at this. Proverbs 2, 1, 5, and 6. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, then you will understand the fear of the lord and find the knowledge of god for the lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding this is saying my child if you will listen to god he will give you wisdom then proverbs 3:15 and 6 says, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Okay, let me just give you a summary here. This is saying, if, you get, if your child is finally listening to you, you take them and you point them to God so that they'll have the wisdom of God and then the wisdom of God will set their path straight. So God has now become their teacher. Again, this means your main job as a parent is to point your kids to God. You should teach them about friendships, about money, about uh, how to be successful, about how to use their words, about how to be a good husband or wife. But ultimately, your main job is to teach them to go to the God who can teach them about those things far greater than you can. That means anytime you have a teaching moment with your kids, the greatest thing you can do is point them to God. You are molding them to be molded by God's word. You are molding your kids to be molded by God's word. You are molding your kids to submit to the wisdom and love of God. And if you don't believe that, then it could be that you're not submitting to the wisdom and love of God. We, we talked about this before, but if you look back at yourself that you were 15 years ago, You're going to look at some of the stuff that you were doing and saying, and you are going to cringe at it. You're going to say, oh, I can't believe that I did that. I can't believe I said that. Well, in 15 years from now, you're going to look back at your current self, and you're going to cringe at some of the things you're doing and saying right now. If that's the case, then why wouldn't we just go to the infinite wisdom of God and let him teach us how we ought to live? And convince our kids to do the same thing. And discipline is also part of this molding process. So discipline, you know what discipline is? Your, your child is listening to you, they're submitting to your love and wisdom, and then they stop submitting to your love and wisdom. And discipline, all discipline is, is with all of your might, you are trying to get them to submit again to your wisdom and to your love. Proverbs twenty-two, fifteen. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Proverbs thirteen twenty four: Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. In other words, like you, your children are foolish. Ooh, sorry. Uh, your children are foolish and your job is to convince them of that. But the, the rod of discipline is meant to drive away the foolishness. We're we going to talk about what that means in a second. But as a parent, you're, you, have to, you have to, again, you have to make yourself a student of wisdom so that you can spot the foolishness. And if you're wondering, again, if discipline is a good thing, the second proverb that I read says, if you don't discipline your child, it's like you hate them. But if you discipline them, you must do it out of love. In other words, it is far worse for your child to be disciplined by that highway than by you. The highway is way worse. The highway is way worse than the discipline of a loving parent who is wise. Now we've got to ask, what does this rod of discipline mean? Well, first, here's what you've got to understand. There's something, so so you're holding your child, and they're listening to you, but all of a sudden they're not listening to you, and the reason they're not listening to you is because something else is holding them, and they are clinging to something else. They're clinging to something else for their wisdom, and so the idea of this rod of discipline is this is the thing that is getting them to stop. One, it's driving away the foolishness it's holding on to them, but it's causing them to stop holding on to whatever thing that's foolish that they're holding on to. And that's what this idea of the rod of discipline, are you guys seeing that, like the imagery of this? So foolishness, all of a sudden, something foolish has hold of your child and you're knocking it away. That's the idea of what's going on here. And so when you're thinking about this rod of discipline and the relationship between a parent and a child, you're thinking this, whatever I've got to do to get my child to listen to me again, so that they're actually submitting to my love and my wisdom, that's what we've got to do. Or because the highway is far worse. Now, some kids respond to discipline in a bunch of different ways. So some kids, you just look at them and they're like, oh, sorry, my bad. That's not my kids. Uh, some kids, you just put them in time out and they respond well. Some kids, you take away toys. That works really well with my kids. Some kids respond to spanky. Okay, you can figure out what's best and most wise for them. And that's the question you've got to ask. In the long run, not what is most convenient, but what is the most loving thing that you can do for your child in that moment? Proverbs is saying the most loving thing you can do for your kid who's going down the wrong road is to do whatever it takes to get them back on the right road. Because it's much better for them to be disciplined by you than to be disciplined by the world. The world will crush them. You're doing it out of love. Whatever it looks like. So some of you can give them a look, some whatever. And, and if you if, it's just you're relentless in trying to get them, to, again, to submit to your love and your wisdom. And if you say, I'm, I'm not going to spank my kid, that's fine. Proverbs is okay with that. Proverbs is trying to convince you to do whatever it takes because if your kid's going down the wrong road, you've got to bring them back some way because it's far worse for them to go down that road than for them to endure some type of discipline from you, whatever it is. True love corrects because if you don't, then later it's much worse for the child. So, this is all feels very impossible, I know. Um, And it's about to get worse. Here's why. Because you hold them and you mold them and then you have to release them. You let them go. (laughs) She doesn't want to go. Proverbs twenty-two six. let's go back to that. Train up a child in the way he should go. Now, this is talking about what kind of life should this child live, but also they've got to go and live this life. So your child has to go out from you. You have to release your child. Your job is to mold them and then release them. And this is the hardest part because you devote your life to your child. You love your child as much as you can love something. You're loving your child, and then all of a sudden you've just... You I mean, this is the emphasis of a marriage. A man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. They're letting him go. He's been released. She's been released. So just, here's what you got to picture. Picture a mother with her firstborn the first day of kindergarten. Letting the child go the first sleepover at a friend's house, the first high school party, you've lost control. You have had to instill wisdom in them. The packing up, moving away to college, and then getting to the apartment, and then moving them in, and then closing the door and having to drive away. You're preparing them for these things, but you have to release them. the daughter walking down the aisle. The first time you see your child go through something painful. You see your child have their own child. Or you are departing from this world knowing that you will not be here for your kids anymore. And you're releasing them to these things. But you're preparing them first. You're molding them so that you are able to release them. And it's so hard to do. But if we hold too tight, they're not going to be prepared. Or if we hold too tight, they're going to fu- they're going to squirm out because they're ready to go. But if you don't let them go, if you're not willing to let them go, you're probably not going to prepare them for it. And that, at best, at best, will make them less successful. But at worst, it might ruin them. So I was listening to a professor of philosophy, professor of psychology. And basically this guy is the guy with the wisdom that teaches people wisdom who are teaching other people wisdom. And basically he's really smart. And he said when he sits down with someone in his office and like he's counseling them, he says, I've never had anybody in my office go messed up with something because their parents prepared them to be independent. In other words, what he's saying is parents' tendencies to hold on and not release them. Parents' tendencies are to coddle and to spoil and to smother when they should let them go. Of course, this is much better than absent parenting, but it falls short of the wise parenting of these wise teachers. (laughs) All right, so now, see, you see what I'm saying? This feels impossible. Okay. How do you actually be able to do this? Here's your answer. You have to ask what you're releasing them into, who you're releasing them to. Here's what you have to be able to do. Here's what you've got to do for your kids' sake and for your sake. You've got to release them to the arms of a God who loves them far more than you do. And he's infinitely wiser than you. And if you don't believe those things about him, then you will hold on to your kids too tightly. They will squirm out or you won't prepare them. But if you know that you're releasing them to a God who loves them more than you do and is infinitely wise, then you're in a position position where you can actually do this. Until you believe that, though, here's what's going to happen. You're going to fight God for your kids. You're going to claim them as yours but they're much better in his arms. not saying that it can't be in both, but ultimately you have to give your kids to God. You will fight to be their savior when really they have a greater one. You're gonna fight to be their ultimate father when they have a greater one. You're gonna fight to be their ultimate guide when really they have a greater one who knows better how they ought to live than you do. And if you do this, if you will not give them to God, then you're going to be robbing your kids of the greatest thing that could ever happen to them, God. So how do you, still, how do we know we can trust God with our kids? Well, you have to look at his infinite wisdom and his infinite love. Where do you see that? Right at the cross. So on the cross, you see the God who's infinite in love and infinite in wisdom, has found a way to bring you back. Because the thing is, we are all orphans. And we need to be released into the arms of someone who will be able to care for us better than we can care for ourselves, better than our parents can, better than anybody on this earth can care for us. We need to be released to God. And the only way for that to happen is for God to come, Jesus Christ, the firstborn son, to come and die as an orphan so that us orphans can be made into sons and daughters of God. And you look at that. And when you get a real clear picture of that, you say, God, here's my kids. You can do this way better than me. You can't protect your kids from everything. But God can. And he is going to, he knows the perfect amount of freedom in the perfect amount of training that your kids need and that you need so that you can become more and more of who you're made to be and they can become more and more of who they're made to be. The more you go to God, the better parent you become because you can, go, you can now release them more and more into the arms of God. The degree that you're connected to Christ is the degree that you can connect your kids to Christ. they're better off with him. That hurts, huh? Like, but actually, if you believe that, then they are so much better off with you because you believe that to be true. Because you're gonna take them to the greatest place where they can go, to God. All right, let's pray. God, we ask now that you would teach us to do this. God, that you would teach us how to be parents. And if if there's anything uh, that is said that's hard for us to hear, God, what we want to do is we just want to come to your word and we just want to ask you what is true. And if something I said isn't true, God, correct me and correct us. But if it is true, then teach us and help us to see this truth for what it is and to help us become the parents we need to become. And God, as we're here and we're feeling the weight of our failures as parents, God, we know that it's okay because one, you've forgiven us, but two, we just need to give them to you. And so help us do that, God. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.